You're listening to a Thorn Creek Weekend Message Podcast. For more audio content and other resources, visit thorncreek.church messages. Welcome to Thorn Creek Church. So glad you are here. And for the first time, I want to say welcome to those who are online. I was super excited about that. Um, you know, the Lord is using this time in our world to draw people to himself. It's okay for us to be reminded that we're not invincible. You know, I think about other times in our world when humanity was reminded we were not invincible. Um, I'm thinking of Y2K. Remember that? I'm thinking of times when 9-11 happened. There was a lot of fear around during 9-11, and most of us are not old enough, but what about the Great Depression? And what about other times when, when and things happened in our world? Did you know research shows that when times of war, church attendance goes up during times of war? And also, I could say this, just in our online community, in our day and age, Last night, we had over 200 people view the service last night, and over 200 people view the 9 o'clock service, and I don't know how many are viewing today, but God is using this all for his glory. You know, we live in this fallen world, uh, but we're called to walk by faith and not by fear. We need to be wise, but we need to walk by faith and not by fear. I want to share with you some, some verses that the Lord put on my heart. This is in Psalm chapter 91. It says, Those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. This I declare about the Lord. He alone is my refuge, my place of safety. He is my God, and I trust him. Those words are more meaningful in a time like this when the grocery store and the aisles are emptied out, and, 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 and you know, our God is our God in the time of plenty and the time of, of scarcity, right? We don't only sing about the faithfulness of God. We don't only sing about the God who heals and the God who provides during health and prosperity, but we also sing about the grace of God in times of uncertainty as well. Our faith and our hope and our trust is in him. The crowd this morning, you guys are going to have to help me out here because you guys are representing a big crowd, so make sure you shout out to me, all right? Don't let me do this. Look at verse 3. Verse 3 says this, for he will rescue you from every trap and protect you from deadly disease. You believe that? Isn't that beautiful? He will do that. Um, I love uh, what Paul says in 2 Timothy. He says, for God has not given us the spirit of fear and timidity, but a power, love, and self-discipline. Nothing like that. And 1 Peter 5, 7 says, cast all your anxiety, all of it, not some of it, not most of it, all of it on him because he cares for you. You know, and Philippians tells us, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God, say peace of God with me, the peace of God, the peace of God will transcend, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. <clears throat> it's a beautiful thing. I, we had someone visit today. Uh, we had visitors here at church this weekend, which is really interesting. Uh, I, I didn't expect that. We had, we had several, several visitors, and uh, one of our older gentlemen who attends church here, he, he uh, has an oxygen tank with him that he walks around, and, and he has a walker as well. And he talked to me after the first service, and, and he tells me, Pastor, I'm one of those that's at high risk. He, he said, but my faith is in my Lord Jesus. That's what he said. 
And I, I, I heard that and just moved. I got teary-eyed when, when he said that, and I just said, thank you for being on this journey with me. I'm grateful we're able to do church. That's my heart intent, to do church. And I'm so grateful for our technology that we're able to do it online for the people who are at home or wherever they're at, and they're looking on a laptop. So welcome. Uh, let me share with you what Thorn Creek is doing during this time. Uh, when this happened, my first prayer was, Lord, how do you want to use the church? What do you want us to do? And uh, I, wanna, I want you to know we are praying and trusting God. We're praying that anyone who's been infected with a coronavirus or maybe has even been infected and they don't know it, we're praying that God just heals them. That's our prayer, that it just stops in the name of Jesus, that people experience healing. Our trust is in God. Our trust is in God. And we want to continue to be his church. As I said, I believe this is a time when the Lord could really use this to draw people to himself. People are reminded that they're not invincible. And we want to be mindful of others and love them. I've discovered there's people of different levels of faith and different levels of fear, and that's okay. We need to love others, and I certainly understand people who are more at risk than others. We, we need to love them and to show them our love. Our weekend services will continue. Um, that's something that I just feel in my heart. I just feel like we need to do. So, so uh, we want to keep doing this and, 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 and show and proclaim Jesus Christ. Uh, number five is this. We now, you can watch services at live.thorncreek.church. And this is super exciting. We've never done this before. As I said, the numbers are already so high, and we're excited about that. And in fact, you should know right now what you see online, that quality is just going to get better because we ordered some hardware, software, brand new camera, and it's on its way by the grace of God, hopefully FedEx or UPS, whoever delivers it. So we're hoping to have that all installed, maybe even as early as next week. We'll see. So tune in again if you're watching us online, and the quality is going to be much, much, much better. So we're super excited about that. Uh, we're going to use online meetings also. So if we have to meet as a church, you can expect an email. Make sure we have your email address, and we'll use online meetings as well. Um, with that live stream ministry, it's like we're starting a brand new campus church in the digital world. So we need volunteers to help out with that ministry. So if you're comfortable being behind a keyboard and chatting with others and praying with others, please help out. Uh, pastor Jeremy, our infrastructure pastor, could use the help. You could email us at thorncreek.church slash volunteer, and you can do that. So also, I want, you to, I want to let you know about Food for Hope. Uh, this is an extension of Thorn Creek Church, and I just want you to know how God is using Food for Hope during this time. And due to schools closing in an effort to contain the spread of COVID-19, many students who depend on free and reduced lunch will be without the food they need each day. So therefore, Food for Hope will be packing 1,500 emergency food bags in the coming week to be distributed to, distributed to seven mobile feeding sites in the 27J and Adams 12 school districts. So super exciting how the church is coming together. And, and we had slots. There's a total of six sessions, I believe, and they're all full. I think they're all full. So if you missed it, if you're a procrastinator, you're too late. So that, that, that's just it. But you should know that, that Food for Hope is coming together, and, and it's a beautiful thing how we're loving on these, these children, these kids, these students 
who are at home and don't have enough food, and, and the school district is partnering with us. Um, another ministry that we, we're doing, and if you want to be a part of this, let us know. But we have a group of people who want to help other people uh, get groceries. So maybe there's someone at home who's at risk, and they really don't want to leave their house but they need someone to go for them to the grocery store. If you want to be part of that, let us know. Uh, email us at thorncreek.church slash volunteer. That's a way you can love on someone and deliver groceries for them and help them out in any of the ways. Last thing I want to say is let's give generously. Let's continue to give. During this time, we want to, we want to just get stronger as a church in the name of Jesus Christ. That's our hope and prayer. So please continue to give, whether it's online or in person, however that is, and let's be faithful to the Lord. All right? We're in this together, right, church? We're in this together. We're walking by faith together. It's a time for us to come together. Are you with me? Put your hands together if you're with me, guys. This is a beautiful... <clears throat> Glory to God. Lord Jesus, our hope and our prayer is, and our faith is all in you, God. And uh, we just humble ourselves before you. And Father, I, I, I'm so grateful that you saved me, and I'm humbled by that, and I haven't gotten over that salvation experience. I just, it hasn't, hasn't gotten, it hasn't expired in my heart, Lord. And uh, Lord, I know you're just so good, God. If you can use me, you can use anyone. Now, Holy Spirit, I ask that you anoint this message. None of this matters unless you show up. The Holy Spirit, move here, move in me, move through me, direct my, my thoughts and the words that come out of my mouth, and move here, Lord. You're so good, God. Give me strength to preach this message again a third time. And Holy Spirit, I pray that you move in hearts, move in the heart of the person who's here at church right now. the soul that you drew here. And Lord, move in the heart of the person who's watching this online by video. You could meet them wherever they're at, whether they're sitting in their car, whether they're at home, or wherever they're at. Meet with them through that screen, Lord. Touch them. I'm so grateful, God, you're so big. You can be present with them in the very room they're in right now. And church, would you just give God permission? And if you're online watching this, would you give God permission? Just tell him, God, move, to, move in me. Speak to me. Make that your prayer. Thank you, God. I'm so grateful for your love and your grace. I'm grateful, God, that you're a God who's in control. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hey, so last week, I uh, talked about this raging storm brought a box to help us with this, but I shared this message. We're in the series called Jesus Who, and, and last week, if you were here, hopefully you can listen to it on podcast, but I shared this message about the disciples being with Jesus on this boat, and this storm came about, and Jesus is sleeping in the back of the boat, and Jesus gets up. Remember, they shake him and say, don't you care that we're going to drown? And Jesus gets up, and he, he, he tells the storm to be quiet. Literally, it means put a muzzle on it. Tells the storm to, to shut up. And he puts a muzzle on it. And then everybody looks at Jesus, and their question is, who is this man? See, I, I have a box up here because we can put God in a box. Even if you come to church, 
The disciples were with Jesus, and they saw many miracles he performed. They saw him cast a demon out of someone. They, they were there with his teaching. They saw him heal people. They, they saw him feed people. They saw him turn water to wine, but they had him in a box. And when the storm came about them, they did not think he was big enough to calm the storm. And when he calmed the storm, the question was, who is this man? And during this series, we're looking at, Jesus, and we're looking at how big he is and how he's bigger than the box. See, the truth is all of us have come with a box to church. All of us have a box, whether you're online or whether you're here, you have a box. And in your mind, the thought is, you know what? God can do anything in this box. Now, if we had a conversation, my guess is you might say the right thing and say something like, yeah, God can do anything. But there are certain things that you might think, I'm not sure God can do. Like, is God able to to change you completely? Is God able to change your circumstances? Like, even today, like within an hour, is God able to change your circumstances that quick? Is God able to move in your finances? Is God able to change your heart? Is God able to do this? In the story that we're looking at today, we're looking at a blind man who was born blind, if there's ever any box we might have, it's kind of like how we were born. I was born this way. And when we say I was born this way, it's kind of like, okay, this is outside of the box. I was born this way. There's no way I could change. There's no way. This is who I am. I just have a bad, I just have a bad temper. That's, that's just who I am. Just get used to it. I'm, I'm just, I'm just, I walk, I'm stressed all the time. This is just who I am. I'm just naturally cynical. This is who I am. I'm naturally judgmental. This is who I am. And we can do that. We can do that. And we, and we, uh, we inadvertently say, God, I don't think you can change me because this is who I am. Sometimes when we say that, that's kind of our way of saying, you know what? I like this problem I have and I don't want to change. I have this bad temper, and I just want everyone to live with it because secretly there's something inside of me that feels good when other people are afraid of me. It feels good when other people are intimidated by me. It feels good when I raise my voice and I get all the attention, and I don't want God to change that because I need that. Hello. So sometimes we may not want to change, but you have a God who works outside of the box, you have a God who wants you to know him completely. And this story, I want to jump into it. It's a crazy story. Um, John chapter, chapter 9. And, and Jesus has healed blind people before in, in the Gospels. But this chapter is so unique. It says this, as Jesus was walking along, he saw a man who had been blind from birth. It's so cool how Jesus is just like strutting along and then he sees this guy blind from birth and he stops. Aren't you glad Jesus stops? He stops and he sees this blind man and he's the one who sees him. The blind man doesn't see Jesus. Put yourselves in the shoes of the blind man. Verse two says this, Rabbi, his disciples asked him, why was this man born blind? Was it because of his own sins or his parents' sins? 
Have you noticed the blind man hasn't said one thing? He's just like there. It reminds me of like when people talk about you and you're there in the room and you're like, hey, I'm right here. Just, you know, I hear you talking about you. The blind man can't see anything, but he hears the conversation between Jesus and the disciples. And the disciples decide to look at this blind man and use him kind of as a prop and say, what about this guy, Jesus? And their question is a theological question because it's the way they were raised. A good Jew associated. Their theology was, if you're experiencing suffering, it's because you have sin in your life. Or if you're experiencing suffering, like if you were born blind, then it must have been mom or dad that sinned. Because that's what teaches, you know, Deuteronomy 28 says, you know, your sin will infect your children's life. And if it's really bad, it'll affect your descendants' life for a while. So they're good Jews, these disciples, and they're saying, so who sent? Tell us, this guy's blind. Jesus says this, it was not because of his sins or his parents' sins. Jesus answered, this happened so that the power of God could be seen in him. Wow. Now, this is the first time this blind man is hearing this, undoubtedly. This blind man... No doubt. I mean, <clears throat> maybe he thought, you know, rip off, God, rip off. Why would I be born like this? My whole life, I can't see anything, and everybody else can see. You're not a God of love. This is unfair, God. Why would you let this happen to me? And Jesus unveils, and he says, he's born this way so that the power of God would be manifested through him. Reminds me. All of us have a life purpose that will bring glory to God. Do you know what it is? You have a life purpose that will bring glory to God. Not to yourself. Not to yourself, but glory to God. You were put on this earth for a purpose that will glorify God. Your life is way bigger than providing for a home, way bigger than taking vacations, way bigger than anything under your roof. That's all important. But you are here to bring glory to God. Verse 4 says this. We must, and this is what Jesus says. Now he's like letting them in behind the curtain a little bit, and he's telling them, let me just give you this skinny here. We must quickly carry out the task assigned us by the one who sent us. That's God the Father. The night is coming, and then no one can work. So Jesus like talks in riddles just a little bit in verse four. And he's saying, you know what? God's moving. God's at work. Are you aware of that? God is moving. God is at work. Get on the same page with God. And verse five, he says, but while I am here in the world, I am the light of the world. So Jesus is making it clear. He is the light of the world. In fact, if you turn the page and you look at chapter eight, he says, then Jesus again spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in the darkness, but will have the light of life. He's the light of the world. Some of you need to hear this. Jesus is greater than your darkness. Jesus is greater than your darkness. You might be in a dark place emotionally. You might be in a dark place spiritually. You might be in a dark place in your home. You might be in a dark place with your faith. You might be in a dark place in whatever, an addiction or whatever, but Jesus is greater than your darkness. 
And Jesus is able to go into that darkness and he's able to be with you and he's able to help you and love on you and pull you out of that darkness. That's your God. He can meet you there. You might think you're alone, but Jesus is greater than your darkness. He can do that. And here comes the miracle. It's only a couple of verses, so don't blink. Verse six says this, then he spit on the ground made mud with the saliva. My first thought was, well, there's a lot of like saliva, I think, that needs to be involved to make mud and dirt. I mean, it's not just one little, you know, there's got to be something coming up. <laughs> He's got to work at it just a little bit. And he spread the mud over the blind man's eyes. Your eyes are windows to your soul. And my first thought when I read this was, Jesus doesn't care about germs. That's what I thought. Because we don't, we're, we don't, he doesn't care about germs. He spits on the dirt, and he keeps spitting, whatever it is. And think about this blind man. This blind man is just sitting there. He can't see anything. So all he's hearing is Jesus, you know, gargle up his spit and spit it out. And next thing you know, he feels the handprints all over his face. And remember, he's not saying anything. He's just sitting there. And he spread, I mean, all over his face. I can only imagine he's putting mud all over his face and Jesus is doing all this over the blinds, man. And what's the deal with the mud? Don't you think Jesus could have healed the guy just by saying, be healed? Some of you are germaphobes and you probably would have preferred that because, you know, that would have been better. <laughs> but Jesus is like, he's just spit all over his face. And Jesus, why the mud? Why the mud? Jesus is breaking all kinds of rules here, incidentally. The Pharisees don't like it. He's touching this guy on the Sabbath. He's healing him. He's, I mean, mud. Everything about it is just wrong. And I want to say this. God knows what you need to believe. How much faith do you have? Do you know Jesus? Sometimes we need something concrete to believe. Let me just tell you what, what as in my life, when I was young in my faith, I would say stuff like, God, if this is your will, then make him say this or make her say this. God, if this is your will, then make this happen. Give me a sign, God. And you know what God would do many times during those days? He would give me the sign. He would give me the sign. And then I'd be like, okay, he gave me that sign, so I'll take that step. Okay, God, if this is your will, give me another sign. And, you know, we would, in my early days when I walked with God, that's what my faith was like. As I've walked with God, you know what I've discovered? God expects more from me. The longer you walk with God, the less you need from God as far as signs and affirmations. Because you just know him. And if you spend time with Jesus, and you get to know his voice, and you let his word live in your heart, and you meditate, you memorize scripture, and you talk to Jesus when you're at Starbucks or in the car or on a run or a walk with a dog, whatever, you get to know him. Then all of a sudden, you just don't need as many signs as you used to because you know his heart. It's like my relationship with Grace and I, you know, we've been married for many years now, and, and you know, I think about our early days of, of dating, it was a lot of get to know each other, and now we've been married for so long, I can just start a sentence and she'll finish it for me. 
because she knows me that well. Sometimes I don't even need to say anything. She knows what I'm about to say. I have some staff members like Pastor Jeremy. I can just think certain things, and he knows what I'm thinking. It's really freaky. It's weird. But we've been together that long where he just knows me. And the longer you're in a relationship with Jesus, the more you get to know his will, and the relationship changes. And also, God expects you to know him and grow in him and know his will even more so. God knows what you need to believe. Some of you need a whole lot to believe. Some of you need a, like the door to fling open by itself, and you need a bush to catch on fire in your living room. Before, But others, you're far enough in your walk with God where you don't need all that. Verse 7, here's the other part of the miracle. Jesus tells them this, Go wash yourself in the pool of Siloam, which means sent. So the man went and washed and came back seen. Now again, has this blind man said one word? <clears throat> Jesus tells him, all right, he's got mud on his face. I almost want to say he's a big disgrace, but that's not it. He's got mud all over his face. And, <laughs> and, he's, and he can't, you know, he's like smothered with mud. And Jesus tells him, now go wash in the pool of Siloam. Um, I did a little research on the distance with where Jesus did this miracle in the pool of Siloam. If, assuming Jesus did this close to the temple, because that's where he was around, it's 950 meters from the temple to the Pool of Siloam, which is just over half a mile. Just over half a mile. So I, I, I Googled this, and I, I said, well, how far is that? Well, how long would it take me to walk? And according to Google, the great theologian there, uh, it's 17 minutes to walk that distance from the temple to the current place where the Pool of Siloam. The Pool of Siloam was originated by King Hezekiah during the days, of, uh, during the King of Judah, during the days of 715 B.C. to 686 B.C. So it was developed there by him because he was being attacked by a king of Assyria named Sennacherib. And Sennacherib, and so he did this in an effort to preserve and take care of Judah. So it's been there a long time. So this man... He knew where the pool of Siloam was. 17 minutes for someone who could see. Now, if you're one of those people who walk, you know, you know really fast, I don't know, maybe 10, I don't know. But for normal pace, someone who can see, 17 minutes. <clears throat> My wife walks, walks like that. She's really a fast walker. Um, <clears throat> but anyway, so, so my thought is, well, how long would it take a blind man? If you could see and it takes 17 minutes, how long would it take a blind man? How familiar was he with this? And think about this. He's got mud all over his eyes. He's walking through downtown Jerusalem, and he's looking for the pool of Siloam. And my thinking is the people who were watching this was thinking, like, this is right out of a scene from The Walking Dead. I mean, this guy just looks scary. I don't know what he's doing. He's got mud, and he's going through and everything. He's going through the Jerusalem, and, and they're just looking at him. And, and this has got to be scary. Here's another thought. What if he didn't go to the pool of Siloam? What if his attitude was, you know what? If you can't heal me here, then I'm not going to go there. What if his attitude was, God, if you can't do anything here? What if he had a bad attitude? You know what a bad attitude looks like? You know what that looks like? A bad attitude 
can keep you from a miracle. I didn't say that the other services. Somebody needs to hear this. A bad attitude can keep you from the miracle. It can keep you from knowing God fully. It can keep you from experiencing the God out of the box. A bad attitude. A judgmental spirit, a critical spirit can keep you from experiencing the God out of the box. It can keep you from experiencing the transforming, transformational power of the work of the Holy Spirit. A bad attitude. But he went. Never said a word. We don't, scripture doesn't say that he said anything. He has never seen Jesus. All he, he's just heard the words and he felt the mud. He felt the hands of Jesus all over his face. Really interesting that Jesus used mud because when you go back to Genesis chapter 2, what did he do when he created man? He used a bunch of dirt. He breathed life. He's doing it again. Hear this. Sometimes God will ask you to walk by faith with mud on your eyes. This man's walking by faith, isn't he? He's going to the pool of Siloam. Doesn't know anything about Jesus. And sometimes we're asked to walk by faith when we can't see anything. We can't see God moving. God, I don't think you're working, but God, I don't see circumstances changing. God, I don't see him changing or her changing. My finances aren't changing. My job's not changing. God, I don't feel like, I, and then God just says, I just want you to walk by faith. You don't have to wonder if God is moving. God is working all the time. And he, faith is the one thing that gets to the heart of God. Over and over, when you look at the Gospels and you see Jesus, he rebukes cities because of their lack of faith. Faith pleases God. Hebrews tells us without faith, it's impossible to please God. Without faith. And you see this happen. Now, an interesting thing happens here. Jesus exits the scene. He all of a sudden goes somewhere. We don't know where he went. He checked out for a little bit because verse 8 says this, his neighbors and others who knew him as a blind beggar asked each other, isn't this the man who used to sit and beg? Some said he was and others said, no, he just looks like him. But the beggar kept saying, yes, I am the same one. What happened? Jesus touched him. Jesus changed him. And his eyes changed. You ever looked into the eyes of someone who's blind? Their eyes look different. The eyes are a window to the soul. When you look into someone's eyes, you can see so much. You can see darkness. You can see anger. You can see bitterness. You can see resentment. You can see lust. You can see greed. You can see all of that through the eyes. Look closely at the eyes. You can see all that. And Jesus touches this blind man. And he looks so different that those around him start to argue. And they start saying, I'm not sure if he's the guy. He looks too different. Reminds me of how Jesus changes lives today. Let me just tell you, ladies, the best makeup you can put on is inviting Jesus to be Lord of your life. Your face will change. Your face will change. There's a, there's a, your countenance will change. Men, the same thing. 
when you when you die to yourself and you live for Christ and you say, Jesus, be my all in all, guess what? Your face will change. You will look 10 years younger, I guarantee it. I know some of you would love that. You would look like Brad Pitt times 10. You would just look good. When someone gives their life to Jesus, their countenance changes. Have you ever seen someone who says, I'm a Christian, but you look at their face and they have anger? And you think, would you let your face know about Jesus too? You know what I mean? There's something that happens to the face and the eyes. There's something that happens. See, there's an audience around this blind man. And you have an audience too. People are watching you. People can see whether your heart has changed. People can see that. And the question, verse 8, he says, or verse 9, it says, some, some said he, he was, others said, no, he just looks like him. And the beggar said, uh, kept saying, yes, I'm, I'm the one. And I, one of the things I thought is like this beggar, his whole life he's just been hearing, he's not been seen. So I'm, I'm guessing he's hearing these voices and now he's seeing these people for the first time. And he's probably thinking, yeah, I know your voice. You didn't give me any money. <laughs> I, I know who you are. I know what you look like now. And verse 10, they asked, who healed you? What happened? Because whoever healed him did something outside of the box. Who did it? Who did it? Verse 11 says this. He told them, the man they call Jesus made mud and spread it over my eyes and told me, go to the pool of Siloam and wash yourself. So I went and washed and now I can see. So he just recounts what happened. Notice he doesn't say who Jesus is. I mean, they call him Jesus, but I don't know who he is. Where is he now? They asked, and he said, I don't know. I don't know, he replied. You got to get this. This man was not seeking Jesus. This man did not know who Jesus was. Hear this. Sometimes God will move in spite of you. He'll move in your life even though you don't know him. He sees you before you see him. It's his hope that you will seek him. That's his grace. Sometimes God moves in spite of you. I know homes where he's an unbeliever and she's a believer. And they're experiencing blessings in their home because of her, not because of him. And I know homes where he's the believer and she's an unbeliever. And they're experiencing blessings because of him, not because of her. I know people who are experiencing the blessings of God because mom and dad walked with God. But they may may not be right with God. But they're experiencing the blessings of God because mom and dad walked with God. That's the power of of your faithfulness, the power of your obedience. Sometimes God just blesses even in spite of you. Sometimes God just moves even though you don't know him. And thank God for his grace. Thank God for his grace. He's a good God. And you see this. And verses 13 through 34 are interesting. You have this beautiful experience where the man can see. And verses 13 through 34, when you look at them, you know what, what's happening in verses 13 and thir- through 34? People are arguing. 
Do you know anyone who just likes to argue? They just like to argue. You ask them simple things and they'll debate with you about anything. They'll just argue. They, it's a game. They enjoy it. And they want to, they're going to get the last word. <laughs> because whoever has the last word wins, you know, right? And they're arguing. And the Pharisees are arguing. You know, Taylor Swift was right. There's a whole bunch of haters here. Because the Pharisees say, how could an ordinary sinner do such miraculous signs? That's what he says in verse 16. So the Pharisees look at Jesus as this ordinary sinner. And the blind man in verse 17, you know what he says? I think he's a prophet. The blind man is clueless. The blind man is clueless. And in fact, when they're arguing, you know what the Pharisees decide to do because they hear this blind man say, I think he's a prophet and this is what I did and put mud on my eyes and I went to the pool of Siloam and here I am. And you know what they finally say? Go get your mother. Go get your dad. So mom and dad show up to the scene. And mom and dad say, yep, this is our son. Yep, he was born blind. But you know what mom and dad don't do? Is that out of fear, out of fear from being expelled from the synagogue, they don't say who Jesus is. You know what they say? You ask him. There was a fear that they had about being expelled from the synagogue. The parents say, we don't know who this man is. We don't know, but we know he's healed. But we don't know. You ask him. And I love what the blind man says in verse 25. I don't know whether he's a sinner, the man replied. But I know this. I was blind and now I can see. You guys work it out. I can see. Isn't it interesting when God moves, you still have people that want to argue about it. See, Jesus worked outside of the box, and people didn't like the way he worked outside of the box. They didn't like the mud. They didn't like the spit. They didn't like the pool of Siloam. They didn't like the day of the week. And and this guy's like, (laughs) I can see. He was willing to be expelled from the synagogue. Reminds me of the time when I came to know Jesus at 18, and I was so excited about, you know, this is I, the whole new life. This is so cool. And, you know, I still had people in my life that weren't happy about that. I'm like, why are you not happy? This is awesome. And some of them just said, we don't like that you changed. You ever seen that? People get upset because you changed, because you're different, and your heart is full of joy, and your heart is different, and you feel different, and there's still people around you that says, I just don't like it. I just don't like it. Verse 35, Jesus re-enters the scene. Check this out. When Jesus heard what had happened, he found the man and asked, do you believe in the Son of Man? This is the who is this question. The man answered, who is he, sir? I want to believe in him. Jesus saw that it was an authentic question because in verse 37, Jesus says, you have seen him, Jesus says, and he is speaking to you. This is the first time this blind man sees Jesus with his physical eyes. And here comes his spiritual eyes. Verse 38. Yes, Lord, I believe, the man said, and he worshipped Jesus. This blind man saw him with his physical eyes, but this blind man saw him with his spiritual eyes as well. See, it's possible for you to go to church and not see him with your spiritual eyes. 
It's possible for you to be told about Jesus and taught about Jesus from a young age and never see him with your spiritual eyes. I want you to hear this. You won't know Jesus till you see him with your spiritual eyes. The disciples, last week we talked about them on the boat. They thought they had Jesus figured out. Yep, I know what that whole church thing is about. Yep, I know about that Bible. I know everything about it. I read it. Yep, I know about it. Well, the Pharisees knew the Bible too. The demons, they believe in God. And guess what? The demons know scripture too. There's nothing unique about that. Yep, I go to church. I know what that's like. I got it all figured out. I got it all figured out. But you will never know Jesus till you see him with your spiritual eyes. When he becomes your all in all, when he is greater than the woman in your life, when he is greater than the man in your life, when he is greater than anything else, money, sex, whatever it is, when Jesus is your all in all and you live and every day you crave, you thirst to talk to him, to be with him, to spend time in his word, and your desire is to let him fill you and become more and more like him and to trust him with your life and you want to worship him and you love him and you think, how could I have ever lived without Jesus? He's my all in all and I worship him. He's everything. That's when you can see with your spiritual eyes. It's possible to go through the motions. Some of you are here this morning, and you might say, yep, I'm a Christian, or maybe you aren't a Christian, or whatever it is, and you have a box that you carried in. And maybe in that box is, you know what, um, I believe he can do this, but outside the box, maybe there's some, I was born this way stuff. Or maybe there's stuff that God wants to do in your life and you just haven't given him permission to work in that area. Would you let him? I wholeheartedly believe God wants to do a miracle. I wholeheartedly believe God wants to work in you. God wants to change you at a depth you've never knew existed. God wants to show you how big he wants to use you to glorify him. This is your life purpose. You let him and let him work in your life and let Jesus be your all in all. Die to yourself. Live for him. You make that decision. Those under your roof will be the first ones to recognize that you're different. Be the first ones. You won't know Jesus till you see him with your spiritual eyes. Father God, we humble ourselves before you. Thank you, God. I sensed your presence here, Lord, in this service, and, and you've said some things here, Lord, that I believe that are just unique to the people in this service and the people who are watching online. Oh, Lord, have your way here. If you need to ask Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, maybe you've never said that prayer, would you say this? Say, Jesus, right now, I ask you to come into my heart. With my heart, I believe, and with my mouth, I confess, Jesus, that you are Lord. Take over all of my life. I choose to become a Christian here this morning. I'm going to put my faith in you. Others of you might need to say, Jesus, give me spiritual eyes today. I I seek you, God. My hope is in you. I'm not going to be fearful. I'm not going to be fearful about the coronavirus. I'm not going to, I'm going to be wise, but I'm not going to be fearful. 
And I want to see you, Jesus. Maybe some of you came to church or you're watching online and you're spiritually blind. Lord Jesus, I pray that you touch them right now and give them eyes to see. Let them see you, Jesus. Change the heart. Change the countenance. Change the eyes, Lord. So all of this, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Each year, thousands of Thorn Creek Church messages are downloaded for free. This ministry is generously supported by Thorn Creek Church members and listeners like you. If you'd like to support this ministry, please consider making a tax-deductible donation by visiting thorncreek.church/give.